Welcome to Ask Genesis Podcast, where we ask more detailed questions over the weekly sermons that get taught. Um, We talked this week with Patrick about Noah and more of his story. Noah is a central character of the Old Testament. And Patrick preached Genesis 9 this last week, and it helped us to see the major point of the text, which is that righteous people, saved by grace, are still sinful people. Not that we're just sinners, but we can still relate and identify with Noah. Um, Patrick said that drunk Noah is Ark Noah. So I think we have a lot to relate to in a lot of ways. We also talk about how we can identify heresy. How can we get to the heart of our issues? How to have a private faith and not just a public faith. Um, We talk about God's will is to sanctify us. We talk about how to help you have assurance of salvation. And Patrick actually sings a song at some point. So um, it's going to be pretty entertaining. All right. So we want to get into the show and want to tell you a few brief announcements. If you don't know, you can go to our website, genesiscommunity.church, and you can look at our church event page we have a few things coming up may 4th our women's outreach event um we're gonna be joining tom bob bible and participating in the women's uh, spring women's gathering and hearing from the free the captives representative sheila white so if you're a woman and you want to be involved in that reach out to jenny or christian for more of that information um there's a church-wide potluck may 7th um bring some food that's all you need to know about that and uh email sarah platt if you have any questions about that and yeah without any further ado let's get into the show all right man welcome back fix this microphone don't don't no don't touch that i think okay it's it's way better now than it was okay all right, man. So let's jump in. This week you talked about the story of Noah, mm-hmm. and um, and there's a lot of really good things that you said. You said that the passage oftentimes you can kind of overlook it and mm-hmm. not, you know, you can just read it because a lot of times in the Old Testament stories are just matter of fact. Here's what happened, blah blah, blah and it doesn't really give you a bunch of detail. Yeah. But you hit on a couple of really, I mean, you boiled it down to like say, there's a really important topic that we need to cover. Mm. And I really thought you did a good job when I was listening to the sermon. Praise God. So I think I wanted to first address that first possibility. Chair Bear. <laughs> oh, is he outside with JoJo? Oh. Hold on one second. <laughs> Podcast parenting. Podcast parenting. <laughs> Mid-podcast parenting. That's how we do it. Uh, for those of you who couldn't see, Charity came in and had a question. But um, Okay, so let's go back to the, the, the point that came out was like the first part you talked about slavery. And you talked about how Christians in the past had used that text, Genesis 9, yeah. to promote slavery or to right. say it's okay, right? And then you, yeah. just, you just tore that argument down. But... Um, what I was thinking is like we have that in our day. It's not just like an old thing. Like, oh, how could you know Christians promote slavery? Like, right. there are current things that people, current biblical principles and doctrines yeah. and texts that people twist for their own good. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what I was thinking was, how can we generally 
prevent ourselves, our people from taking texts in the wrong way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. and just being careful that we're interpreting the Bible the way that God has meant it to be written. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the principle is to actually understand the Bible, mm-hmm. not just know what the words are. Because mm-hmm. if, if all you know is what the words are, somebody can take those words and tell you they mean something different. But understanding, um, like being able to back up and take the broader view of the Bible, what is the Bible really about? As in, like, what's the heart of God? What's the plan of God? What does it mean to be reconciled to God? Um, all, all those things, you know. If you know those things, then they help you filter down into the because normally what happens is somebody takes a verse or mm-hmm. a passage and when they twist it to mean something it doesn't, it's because they're trying to get something out of you or something for themselves, you know, and that thing is not gonna fit the greater, broader narrative. So you, you they were starting from a place of I want this, so what text supports that? Exactly. Like slavery or Yeah. So if, if you if you have built an economic structure on the backs of a people group and you want and then you got this group of Christian people who maybe have a sensitive conscience, a soft heart, and those kind of things, you know. So you know like, okay, what's their what's their guide for morality and what's right, what's just, what's unjust? And that's the Bible. Then you need the you need to make the Bible say, "Hey, calm down. This is cool. God's cool with this." Hmm. So you take a a text here, a passage there, whatever, and you you remove that from the greater context, the greater narrative of the Bible and the heart of God, and you make it mean something that it doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't understand the big, the bigger narrative, they don't understand the heart of God and these kind of broad stroke ideas of what is the Bible about and what does it all kind of mean, then something doesn't have to fit for you to go, oh, the Bible says that. So uh, I really feel like with most heresy, with most false teaching, Mm -hmm. the way you identify it is you know God. Charity's here to offer some more contextual criticism. Charity, do you have something to say on the podcast? (laughs) Okay. She's trying to figure out how to work the iPad. <laughs> oh, she wants to work the iPad. Hey, Charity. Okay, if you'll go wait for me, I'll be there in just a little bit, okay? Her little and voice. It's, it's like a little mouse. I know. <laughs> it's like cute, and then it's like, oh. Yeah, you know, that's but. super cute, but finish your thought. Man. Uh, okay. so, so, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the number one way that we can identify heresy, obviously, this is obvious, is know what the Bible says. But I think where people get tripped up is they feel like, I don't know everything the Bible says. Mm -hmm. So somebody tells me something and they say, hey, the Bible says that. And they're like, I don't know if it says that or not. Okay, but do you know, like, like back up 30,000 feet, does that sound like something that fits in with gospel truth, with the heart of God who is both just and Mm -hmm. merciful and loves people Mm -hmm. uh, and, and has you know, plans for redeeming and the, and judging evil and and taking sinners and making them saints. And it sounds like, like being a part of a community of, like a, a healthy church yeah, around totally. people can help you with that because you don't have to know everything, but co- collectively this church has people that do, 
you know, our varying levels yeah, of education. Yeah, if you put us all together, then yeah. there's a lot of knowledge there. But even on just on an individual, personal level, I think that intuition that the Holy Spirit gives us of like that, and when it kind of makes your head turn a little bit to the side, you know, like that doesn't sound right. I think we need to listen to that and consider that something that's from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because And then you go to the text and read it in the context that it was written. Mm-hmm. Understand, you know, if they take like, like if they take First um, Peter or something and it's like teaching slaves to be obedient to their masters. Yeah. Oh, so see, you know, slave, you know slavery is fine. Peter doesn't say there shouldn't be slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, how about you read the whole letter of First Peter and then you read other things that Paul said to Timothy or things that even God said about how to treat people who are in subjection to you and those kinds of things. And you tell me if it seems like it fits the greater narrative that, hey, it's fine, just enslave a person, right. you know, yeah. whatever, God's fine with that. Really? He's fine mm-hmm. with that? Because mm-hmm. the whole Bible doesn't seem to say he's fine with that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Instead of just taking one verse and going, oh, those words are in the Bible. Yeah. No, that I think, okay, that's really cool. Um, that's really good because that will keep us from error, basically. Okay, right. so let's... Um, at one point in the sermon, you talked about the thoughts of our hearts, um, and you even you even you made a comment at some point. You said, you know, it's not like you're killing people or whatever, but like if you think about the thoughts of your hearts and how mm-hmm. you know the thoughts that you have on a regular basis, like we're really, I don't know, I would never want my thoughts of my heart to be public in any right, way. Yeah, like I, if people saw that, they would be like. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Like you're like yeah. a terrible person, right. which That's is the exactly point. the point. Yeah, that is the point, right? <laughs> you kind of are. So, like for Noah, so you, so my thought that I wanted to ask you about is like, how do we as Christ followers, specifically people that I don't think are publicly crazy sinful people, like mm-hmm. we, you know, Noah got drunk. Okay, whatever. Okay, there are things in our church that are going on, sure, publicly, but. Yeah. At the core of it, I think the heart, like the heart of our church, has way more stuff going on internally than externally we will ever see. Mm-hmm. So what I was thinking is, how do we get at the the thoughts of our hearts? Like that's mm-hmm. that's internal stuff. Right. It's not just like you know drinking. It's like internal right. stuff. So how do we get there mm-hmm. on a day to day basis yeah. as a Christian? Well, that is. That's about your faith actually being yours and having not just a public faith, but a private faith. And uh, I mean, this is, it it gets down to things, I say this all the time, and I've probably said it 15 times on the podcast Mm -hmm. and, and a few different episodes, but most of what answers these questions is stuff that we all learned. I mean, if you've spent five minutes in church or if, you know, as a little kid or anything like that, like you've been taught all this stuff mm-hmm. that like, I always think it's in it. There's a song that really served its purpose for me. Cause it's like in my brain, Are you, about to you know, sing a song? yeah, I'm okay. going to sing. We will not edit this. The words are read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. And, you know, all the little kids are, they're like sitting in their chairs and it's like, read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. And you stand up a little bit every time. Oh, okay. And it's like you're growing, you know. Mm -hmm. And that rings in my mind all the time because it's like, yeah, read your Bible, 
pray. Yeah. Like this is what God's given. And, and this that's is what private I, faith. That's not a public that's faith. That's private. Yeah. You know, that that's you actually knowing God, walking with God, talking to God, hearing from God. And in those moments, it's you're more realistically going to deal with the thoughts and intentions of your heart, mm-hmm. which is a scary place to go. So here's what I think it is. There's the commitment to actually having a private walk with God mm-hmm. where this isn't, you know, this isn't me like praying in a group or something like that, where it's real easy to be like, you know, Oh, sovereign creator, God of all things. That's blah blah blah. Right. Nobody, everybody, when they pray in private, it's like, ah, <sighs> So true. You know? Like, <laughs> I don't... Mm, Lord, please. You know, like it's choppy. It's it's more from the gut. Okay, you guys uh, wait one second. She's so concerned. <laughs> uh, that's actually what she just did right there. What'd she do? She came in here and she said, talking about the iPad, Daddy, it's dead again. Daddy, it's dead again. Mm-hmm. That's what real, legit, private prayer sounds more like, and less like the less like you're preaching, more like a God, whiny voice, and more like, uh, I'm so tired. Just, I'm so tired. Or man, oh, when my is this going to end? Kids are annoying me. Or, or like, man, God, I feel dumb even saying this to you because I've already said it to you like fifty times. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. And that there's confession in that, that I feel dumb about this. Mm-hmm. I feel unfulfilled about this. I'm confused of why you haven't done what I wanted here. And then it forces you to kind of go, why hasn't God done what I want? And then you ask him, God, why aren't you doing this? And then in that moment, I think is where the spirit brings truth to remembrance. This is what I'm doing. You know, like it, it makes me, I, I think most of the time when I'm, dealing with the thoughts of my heart, the ugly parts of myself and all these things, I have to remember like what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Mm -hmm. That is God's will. Like we're always scrambling and trying to figure out what is God's will for my life. Number one most obvious objective thing that the Bible teaches is God's will is to sanctify you. Yeah. But if you're not willing to get into that place where you're just like, okay, I'm I'm going to be committed to dealing with God on a personal, private kind of level. And then the other part of that commitment is being honest. Right. Like God already knows. Well, in church, culture doesn't promote being no. honest with each no. other. Like, no, no, no. It promotes polish. Right. It promotes excellence and awesomeness, mm-hmm. you know, like... Mm-hmm. That's what impresses us. I feel like I'm getting to a place in my walk with the Lord and my walk with other people. I'm much more impressed with the really messed up, honest person than I am with the guy who's just like, man, is that guy perfect? Yeah. Does he have any problems? Yeah. You know, does does he ever worry or anything like that? And um, sorry, let me just answer my wife's text message. Yeah, of course. Um. So, yeah, that that's what I think biblically is much more impressive. Mm-hmm. And and that's the that's that realm of walking with God you get to where you're actually going to you're actually going to see progress right in your faith because right. you're dealing with who you actually are, not mm-hmm. just the way you act or the way you talk or something cuz mm-hmm. you know, modifying your behavior mm-hmm. the world can do that. 
Right. The world can make themselves look like this or that. Yeah, well, so in the story, like Noah, you start, you started out by saying like Noah was a righteous man. He built the altar after the ark. And so we need mm-hmm. to remember that he was a faithful man. Mm-hmm. But then he got drunk and mm-hmm. naked and he was naked in his tent mm-hmm. or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Not or whatever. Yeah. He was straight up. <laughs> yeah. And so it's funny because like you preached that was most of your sermon was about that dynamic yeah. of being we're not like you mentioned a lot, we're not just sinners. Mm-hmm. We're holy redeemed people. Yeah. But we still struggle. We still yeah. sin. Like um, you said, drunk Noah is Ark Noah. Yeah. You know? So, uh, so what I thought is like when people don't understand that dynamic and they don't have the balance right, mm. I think people struggle with believing that they really are Christians. Assurance of salvation. Yeah, that's at the heart. Because I'm I'm talking with a guy in our church and he struggles with that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know if he's the Lord's because he doesn't. He struggles with his affection for God and he mm-hmm. he had it at one point and it's gone and mm-hmm. you know he does. So I'm just like. If you don't understand that, like, how does that affect people's assurance that they are Christians? You know, and yeah, I mean the the gospel gospel truth is up for grabs at that point because mm-hmm. the gospel says you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. So. It didn't have anything to do with, you know, that's Ephesians 1, and then mm-hmm. Ephesians 2 goes on to say it's it's by grace, through faith, not by works. Nobody can brag about this or say, look what I did. You know, look how great I was, and God was so impressed that he decided to make me part of his family. It's, we were all dead. God made us alive. And that is not something that depends on you to either save yourself or keep yourself saved. But whenever we come to a place where we're like, man, I have failed and I've failed miserably. Like, like if we're feeling like we identify much more with Noah in his drunkenness than in his faithfulness, then if that causes us to feel like, man, do I even belong to God? Then what I think we're really doing is exposing our, the shallowness of our understanding of the gospel or our trust in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Either we don't really know what the gospel says, because if we know what it says, then it's like, I can't out God's grace. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't sin so much that God's like, fine, forget it. Um, or we know what it says, but we're just really struggling to believe it, yeah. accept it, trust in it, you know? Like so would the, you just encourage that person to dig in a little bit more to the, truth of the gospel to like push past those feelings like to Not, like confront those feelings as lies like what? I wouldn't like the the language of like push past okay because that feels that feels like man just just keep moving just keep mm-hmm. rolling you know mm-hmm. and then you can get into pretending you know but I think for that person well the answer to this is basically what I was trying to do during the sermon which was like keep on kicking that horse like when god has determined in his heart that he's going to save you mm. to think that you can do something to change his mind is so arrogant yeah that's right. not the gospel right it didn't start with you being awesome it's not going to end with you being awesome and nothing in the middle is about you being awesome mm-hmm. the key though to that person is knowing that like Noah, like you said, he got drunk. That was wrong. Yeah. Like Ham was shaming him, I believe. Like mm-hmm. that was wrong. Like mm-hmm. I think 
we just isn't the key to that person's life and our life is like knowing what we've done is sin like that's wrong yeah you know like and Jesus if you're aware of that yes then you're in a, i feel like you're in a good spot yeah, you're not okay place. with your sin right that if that makes sense yeah yeah that's an honest place yeah so i don't think there was anything in noah that was like unwilling to recognize that he had done something wrong mm-hmm uh, he was faithful. He understood what it meant to walk with God. For over 600 years, yeah, the man had time. walked with God, and he'd been counted righteous because of his faith. He was hes the only person in the world that God was like, okay, this guy and his family, mm-hmm. I can start over with this guy. Mm-hmm. It was Again, it wasn't because, I mean, like, more so than the other people of his generation, Noah walked with God. He walked in a righteous way, mm-hmm. but the the real heart of it, which Hebrews helps us understand, right. is that Noah trusted God. His, it was his faith that caused God to count him as righteous. So realizing that it was Noah's faith that caused him to be counted as righteous, caused him to be saved by God, caused him to be counted worthy of uh, walking with God, knowing God, counted him worthy of... Um, of being part of the plan of God to see the world redeemed, to see holiness upheld and sinfulness condemned, all that mm-hmm. stuff, every way that God used him, it was all based on his faith, his faith. So then why is it that we read the whole account of Noah and the ark and wow, man, he was really God's guy for the job. He's the only guy who really got it, whatever. And then we flip the page one chapter and we see Noah sinning and Everything that we would have said about Noah, if that wasn't there, which again, the Bible is the most honest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. It shows us all the ugly parts. Yeah, right. If the Bible hadn't said, and Noah stumbled like this, Noah acted like someone who didn't trust God, but didn't say that, we'd be like, man, Noah, like, was he must have been perfect. Yeah. Or as near to perfect, like his sin, maybe it was like, Oh, sometimes he neglected his family because he spent too much time in prayer, you know, like, Mm. but not sinning like drunkenness, you know, like shameful, embarrassing kind of drunkenness and his, you know, his children are having to cover for him kind of stuff. Yeah. We never would have thought that about him, but the Bible exposes that. And I think God does it intentionally so that we can identify with him in his faith that makes him righteous and we can identify with him in his sinfulness and then thousands of years later, the Bible is still calling him faithful. When the last thing that you read about was <laughs> like this shameful scene, and then he lives another 350 years and he, he dies. dies. Yeah. But then thousands of years later, he's still, you know, he's in this hall of faith, Hebrews 11, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a remarkable man of God. You have to see the whole picture of Noah, and, and that's a gospel thing. Yeah. To see him succeeding, see mm-hmm. him failing, and see him upheld as faithful with all of it in view. Yeah. We have a hard time doing that with ourselves. That was the whole thrust of the sermon was Agreed. don't isolate your successes and your faithfulness and then isolate your failures and your unfaithfulness and make them like, oh man, sometimes I'm this person, sometimes I'm that person. Sometimes God is pleased with me, sometimes he's not. Because if you're, if you're doing that, you're completely removing Jesus from the equation. Jesus died for you. You're in Christ. When the Bible talks about us being in Christ, it means everything that is Christ's is credited to us. His inheritance, his righteousness, 
his union with the Father, his union with the Spirit, all those things are granted to us just because we trusted him. Yeah. He determined in his heart to make us his, mm-hmm. and we trust him, so we get all that stuff. And when we fail, it doesn't mean we have it, but God's annoyed with us and he regrets it. It's just like, yeah, we just have him, yeah, all of him. And he's pleased with us all the time. The hardest thing I think in the world is to draw near to God when you've sinned. Yes, absolutely. It's so hard. But if we had, I think as we deepen in our grasp of the gospel, we'll find it less and less hard to run to him when we've sinned. Mm-hmm. And we'll find maybe that it flips. And those are the times when we're, leaning in the hardest to him because we know he accepts us yeah based on christ yeah i think that's good and i really liked how you you pointed out you said over and over again towards the end of the sermon like noah did the simple thing and then lived 300 and he died and that's supposed to be so normal like that's supposed to be normal (laughs) and i like that because like the whole sermon made me just relate as a person to noah Mm -hmm. and then just just to think like you know however god wants to use my life that's normal. Like that is mm-hmm. that's it, it needs to be what God wants wants yeah. for my life and that be it. Right. You know, and I just right. I like that's, that. That's so. gonna include some falling and failures and those things because he's, yeah. he's disciplining us and he allows us to fall because we learn and mm-hmm. we grow. Exactly. You know, and I mean all suffering is not as a result of our own sin. Right. But a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. And that's part of God's plan. It's a mystery. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point to end on. So can you pray in by praying for us? Yeah. All right. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for its honesty and its clarity that you um, that you didn't just talk about Noah in all these glowing terms, but you also showed the failing side of him, the, the weak human side of him so that we could identify with him completely. Um, Lord, help us please to to identify with Noah in every respect and to see ourselves as people who are set apart for you, who love you, who trust you, and who fail, and who need constant ongoing grace from you. Please help us, Lord, to see the gospel and all of it, to deepen in our our grasp, our trust in the gospel, that you uh, are not giving us a conditional kind of grace that is dependent on our performance, but that it's just something that originates in you and is not dependent on uh, whether or not we see it or understand it or embrace it or walk in it, but that it's just something you're, you've chosen to give us. Lord, please help us to, to walk in that confidence of knowing that we belong to you even when we fail. And Holy Spirit, we call on you and ask you if you'll please drive these truths deeply into our hearts for myself and for Josh, for our families, for our church, for anyone who's listening. Lord, please take these words of yours and these words of ours and and help people to walk with you more closely and trust you for everything for all of life we ask in jesus name amen amen thanks brother yep. thank you peace out